Matthew chapter 8, beginning in verse 23. Then he got into the boat, and his disciples followed him. Suddenly a furious storm came up on the lake so that the waves swept over the boat. But Jesus was sleeping. (laughs) The disciples went and woke him, saying, Lord, save us, we're going to drown. And he replied, O you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Then he got up and rebuked the winds and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed, and they asked, What kind of man is this? Even the winds and the waves obey him. That's our God. Amen. All right. Let's pray. Heavenly Father God, as Pastor Randy comes forward in a moment, we open your word. God, bless this message to sink deep into our hearts and minds. God, may you speak to us through our pastor this morning. Amen. All right, we're going to go ahead and dismiss our kids and teens right now. Teens, you're in the back with me. And kids, you know where to go to your respective classes. How come the friends and the foes invisible are the ones that made my soul most miserable? Heads reel it from the feeling in my mind, but I feel it in the physical. Well, so today is a brand new sermon series. It's called Headspace Volume 1. And if I call anything volume one, what does that tell you? That there eventually will be a volume two. Yeah, exactly. So that will be coming later. I'm not going to try to preach volume one and volume two today. I just want you all to know that, okay? This is volume one. Volume two might even be over into 2022. But we want you to be here and be a part of this new sermon series. Thanks for being here. Uh, You can be a part of each and every one since you're here for the first one. So thank you for being a part. So we're going to be talking about headspace, attention with intention. And as we do, as we go into these things, it's really, really important that we grasp and understand what we're talking about. And I don't know if you guys are aware of it, but I'm sure you probably are. If it's just something that's kind of under the surface, that's fine, but let's pull it out to the place where it's on the front burner for a minute. We know that the pandemic and all that has happened has been really, really difficult for people in their state of mental health. You go to this next slide, and as you look at this, it says the uh, 2021 state of mental health in America. This was actually written, I believe, on the 20th. Let's see. uh, I'm not sure exactly. I don't want to say it and say it wrong, but let me just say that it is a very, very interesting and powerful thing that it says on this particular uh, uh, website that it comes along. And if you can't read it, let me just kind of get a little closer and I'll read it to you. 47.1 million people in the United States are living with a mental health condition, an increase of over 1.5 million in the year of the actual pandemic. And then it goes on and it says, we're seeing alarming numbers of children reporting thoughts of suicide and self-harm. As this pandemic persists, we're seeing the highest level of anxiety and depression that's reported since the pandemic hit the United States in March of 2020. I share all of this with you, not to discourage you, but the truth of the matter is, is that there's a lot of things going on in our world that are making it difficult for us to be healthy not just in body, but also in our minds. And I want to just make sure that we understand from the very beginning, I am not a person who thinks that uh, two things are true. First of all, I don't think I'm a mental health professional, okay? I do not think that. I want you guys to understand that. If y'all are all with me, give me a thumbs up. Y'all all with me? Okay. I don't think that. It might sound like it, but that's not what I think. And also, two. There is sometimes in Christian circles, the concept and the idea of just simply pray about it and and give it over to God and everything's going to be fine. And I don't actually believe that that's true. I think sometimes there are things that God takes away in a miraculous way. Difficulties and struggles that are in our heads and in our minds and in our lives that he takes away in miraculous ways. But that is not always the case. And so I am not in any way trying to say that anyone who has struggled with any kind of mental health issue is less than a Christian than they should be. That's not at all what I'm talking about. And I also want to just mention to you at the very beginning that 
I'm not against medication if that is something that you need in your life. I'm not trying to talk about those things. What I want to share with you is what can you and what can I do about the things that are going on in our headspace that are struggling, making us struggle and having it be more and more of a difficult thing to live a balanced and healthy and even victorious life. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. And by the way, I don't know if you've seen this cake or not out on the uh, internet. Sorry you're such a hateful person, Beth, right? By the way, if anybody put your name on that cake, don't eat it. Y'all know that, right? Don't eat it. I mean, it's always the other person, right? It's not me that's hateful, but I'm making you this cake with this on there, right? Okay. Here's the problem. When everything is so abnormal in our whole entire world, it's hard to feel normal. Can I get an amen? I mean, my goodness, it's crazy, right? This last year and a half, year uh, and nine months, whatever it's been since the pandemic hit, it's the craziest thing because really everything screeched to a halt, right? I mean, you saw the ghost town that was the Southwest Freeway going into Houston, Texas, where there's like four cars, you know, three o'clock in the morning on a Tuesday night, there's more cars there, but no one was out. Everything came to a screeching halt except for one thing, your headspace. Your headspace didn't clear, did it? I mean, let's, let's just call it like it is. If you are like me, the pandemic changed everything out there, but it didn't change everything in here. Can I get an amen? Y'all are with me, right? Amen? If it's not, I mean, I guess I could just kind of say a prayer and we all go, no, 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 I'm not doing that. Right? That's how it is. Everything changed out there. Nothing changed in here. So what is happening in our headspace matters so much to the way that we experience life. This is why it's so important for us to grasp and understand that ultimately the things that we're experiencing begin here and then come outward, not the other way around all the time. So very quickly, I want to just point a couple of things out to you, and this goes along with the idea of not being a person who wants to overstate something. If you deal with the person and say, I've got problems with my cardiac health, you guys know what cardiac means, right? My heart health. So if the doctor comes to me and says, Randy, we've got some problems here. Um, looks like you got some problems on your chest x-ray. Can I ask you a couple of questions? And I'm like, yeah, of course, you can ask me whatever you want, doctor. And he says, what do you normally eat? I'm like, three donuts and three cups of coffee is a normal breakfast for me. Lunch at McDonald's and then supper at my favorite restaurant. That's just a normal day of my eating. Now, how many of you know the doctor is not going to be happy with me at that moment? And then he says, what do you do normally for exercise, Randy? And I say, well, absolutely nothing from my fridge to my recliner is my idea of a daily walk. The doctor's going to go, we've got lots of problems, but we've also got lots of room for improvement, right? This is just reality. Okay, so let's go to this next slide and dealing with cardiac health. There's things that are so invasive that are like open heart surgery where they literally crack open your chest cavity. That is the most invasive, but there is also a scope or a stent. You guys have heard of those kinds of surgeries. Maybe some of you in here have actually performed those kinds of surgeries. Um, there's heavy medications like the really big hitters like Warfarin or Eliquis or some of the others, Coumadin, things like that. But then you also have things like, hey, here's some water pills and here's some aspirin that you need to take on a daily basis. That This will help your heart health. And then you can change your diet where they say, Randy, less sugar, less donuts and less coffee, right? Less caffeine, less red meat and more of whatever else, you know, the doctor says you need more of. And then, by the way, your idea of a daily walk is not going to cut it. You need to have a different kind of daily walk, like get out there and walk out in the sunshine and walk for a little while, right? So this is going to help me in my issue. But let's just be real clear about something. I'm talking about these kinds of things that are maybe on the lower end of this scale when we talk about it, but they all play a role. If you guys are with me, y'all just let me know, right? You're all with me. You don't have to immediately say, Randy, 
you were, you know, <laughs> I started to say how many pounds overweight I am. And then, you know, we're going to, no, 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 we're not going to do that. All right. Look up here. Look up here. Okay. So here's the deal. You don't say, Randy, you've got a few problems. Your heart seems to be a little out of health. We're doing open heart surgery. You don't want to do that. You're like, whoa, 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 hold on. Let's try diet and exercise first. I didn't want to before I came in, but when you put it this way, let's go diet and exercise route. Here's what I'm trying to say in your mental health. When it comes to mental health, I'm not saying, ah, oh, just pray about it and everything gets better. It helps. It genuinely helps. Find your place in God's plan. It genuinely helps. These things can become a snowball which give you momentum. It doesn't undo or exclude these other things. But if you go to this next slide, here's the idea. Maybe you need to go to a counselor. I would recommend a Christian counselor. But look at this and say, what are you ingesting daily? What are you doing consistently that gives you pride, purpose, joy? These things that help your mental capacity, your mental state of mind, all of this stuff that's happening in your headspace. You guys with me and understand what I'm saying? And it's a funny thing, isn't it? That we know exactly what we're talking about when we're talking about cardiac health. Well, you better do this. And man, when that person, when Randy goes to the doctor, he's going to tell him to cut out them donuts, cut up them caffeine. He's going to tell him to get off his backside and stop watching TV and get busy and do some things, right? That's what he's going to say. We all know it. But then we start looking at a headspace issue and then we say, oh, well, I can't say anything. Well, the truth is, is that there are better practices. It is a better thing for us to concentrate and put ourselves in a place where we are constantly putting ourselves in that positive space rather than the negative. And then when the negative does come, which inevitably it does for every single person, no matter who you are, the best thing to do is if you can, bring someone who helps bring you out of that. Go back to the scriptures. There's all kinds of things that you can do that can help. It might not be all you need, but it is a good start for what you need. You guys all with me and understand where I'm at here, okay? So let's talk about your headspace and my headspace. Let's go a little deeper. Let's go, okay, by the way, just leave it there for just a quick second. I want you guys to know that the font that I used, it was so cool. It was awesome. It was great. And it was not downloaded on this computer versus the one. I'm sorry. I thought I had it fixed, and I don't. So if all the spacing looks a little weird and wonky, you can blame... Apple. All right, let's go to this next slide very quickly. Without selective intent, experience is utter chaos. In other words, all of this stuff constantly coming at you, it can be utter chaos unless you learn how to narrow the focus down, unless you learn how to ignore some of the negative and focus more on the positive. Your headspace will always be a struggle for you if you can't figure out how to dismiss some of the things that are unhealthy and focus on some of the things that are, you know the next line, healthy. And let's be very clear. One of my very favorite passages of scripture is from John chapter 10, verse 10. And Jesus says, I have come that they might have life and that they might have it to the fullest or have it more abundantly. His desire for us as his children is not to just be constantly going, well, one day in heaven it's going to be good, but right now, oh man, just constantly walking around defeated and down. That's not at all what God wants for us. And so I encourage us all as Christians to say, there's more available. Let's move towards that, whatever that looks like and whatever small steps need to be made today to help us move forward. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Don't miss this. The more constant distraction that we willingly put or allow into our lives, the louder the wrong voices become for us and, by the way, for our kids. Listen, for your kids and your grandkids, there's so many negative voices that you don't even grasp that are in their life until you go, what? And how long has this person been in your life saying these kinds of things? And you'd be shocked. You would be shocked. And it's the harder and harder and harder becoming to hear the only voice that we actually need to hear. The one that we need to hear is the voice of God that tells us, this is what I have planned for you. 
And ultimately, part of our problem is headspace. And until we hear the right voice, it's really hard for us to get rid of all the other voices in our head. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. There's a book called Hyperfocus by Chris Bailey. It's, it's more of a productivity book, but there's a lot of things that it teaches us and things that will help you and I to learn and go a little deeper. So let's go to this next slide and check this out very quickly. From this book, he says, according to Timothy Wilson, a professor of psychology at the University of Virginia, we receive 11 million bits of information per second. Now, stop for just a second. Let's think about this. Okay, okay, wait, 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 hold on. Hold on. Do you hear that? Do you hear that? I think it may be a plane that was flying overhead, and I had to kind of quiet down for you guys to hear it. It was probably there in your head, but it was one of those bits of information that was so low that you stopped listening and you kind of pushed it to the side. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? This is the 11 million bits that are coming. I could stop for just a second and I could look at the peripheral vision that I have and focus in on not just this plant, but this one single part of the plant. And it's literally, you start kind of multiplying that out. It's 11 million bits of information coming at you constantly. It's just that for most of us, we've learned that most of this stuff is not important. It's not that relevant, so we're just gonna kind of dismiss it. And it's the things that, you know, where you actually slow down and say, okay, wait, wait, hold on. Do you hear the hum of the air condition? Because it's there, but you probably weren't listening before. You guys with me? Y'all understand the 11, 11 million bits? Now, here's the question. How many of these bits can a person process and focus upon at any one time? Now, stop for a second. I want you to answer this question in your head. Don't yell it out because I don't want anybody to be embarrassed or proud. Okay, All right? Just, just get a number in your head. And you guys ready? I'm going to tell you what they say. Let's go to this next slide. The answer is about 40. 40. Not 4,000. Not 40,000. Not four. 140 bits of information. That is not many compared to what's coming in. This is why you cannot reach into your pocket, send a text, walk, and chew gum all at the same time. Can I get an amen? Right? Why? Because honestly, you just don't have that much bandwidth. You don't have that much headspace. So think about this for a second. If this is all the headspace you've got at a given moment, and we're going to talk even more next week about the headspace that we actually give to things, because I don't know if you guys have experienced this. I know I have. I, I'm not Mr. Old and Wise and the guy at the top of the mountain who's figured it all out. That's definitely not me. But I have noticed this. I feel things less than I used to feel. And I know part of that is age. But I also know part of it is the age in which I live. Did you guys know that some of the technology in our world is keeping us from feeling things in a deeper way than we used to? It's harder and harder to actually feel the true weight of something that ought to be weighty when we are around our kids or around our family and the joy is there. It's joy, but it's not quite the same as it used to be. And then when the hurt comes, we know it should hurt us worse. And we're almost even worried about the fact that we're not hurting more than we are because we know it's really important, but it's not feeling, it's not hitting with the same impact that it used to. You know why? It's because we live in this age where our bandwidth is getting used up and the stuff that used to impact our lives for the powerful is no longer hitting us in that way. You guys... Come next week, we'll talk more about it, and we'll talk a little bit about how we can maybe prevent that. So it's just 40, just 40 bits that you can process. Why is this important? You got kids, don't you? You got a wife, don't you? You got a husband, don't you? You got a boss, don't you? You got a job, don't you? If you haven't figured out that you can only focus about 40 on about 40 bits of information, 
You're going to do your job less than you should. You're going to be less there for your kids than you want to be. You're going to be the person who would rather pay attention to the phone than the person across the table at the, at the restaurant that you went out so you could spend time together, right? You understand what I'm saying? Don't, don't take it personal, right? I've seen it. I know it. We've been there. We've all done that, okay? But ultimately, this is the thing. If we don't have our headspace tuned on what we are supposed to be tuned on, we are dissipating the power of our lives and we're the one who pays. And guess who else pays? You can fill in the blanks, but it's your spouses, it's your significant others, it's your job, it's your kids, it's your grandkids. Less present means less power in your life. And that's a big deal. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. So we're talking about attention with intention. You only have so much headspace. Do any of you guys, just to prove the point a little bit further, all right, I'm going to admit me, all right? I'm going to admit me. If you guys can amen me here in a minute, like don't leave me out there on the edge of that limb by myself. But how many of you guys are great at driving as long as you're in the forward, but going in the reverse, it's a lot tougher? Can I see your hands? All right, here's where I'm stupid like this. I'm driving, no problems. But the minute that I got to go in reverse, you know what I do? I not just put it in reverse, but I also turn down the radio. Can I get an amen? I mean, come on. What is that? You know what that is? That is proof that you know instinctively you've only got so much bandwidth and headspace. And when you're doing something that's not automatic and not habitual... And it's going to take more focus. You can't turn up the radio and do a good job backing up. This is your warning. This is real life talking to you if you're paying attention. That some of the life that you are living and wasting bandwidth and headspace on silly stuff that truth be told you actually don't even care about is robbing the people in your life that you actually do care about. And that's a big deal. If you guys agree with me, can y'all say amen to that? Can y'all agree? Amen? So we got to be careful where we put our attention and we do it with intention, not accidental. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. Tech, uh, technology speeds up time, <laughs> tempting us in each moment to fill our attention, that bandwidth to the very brim. This leads us to remember less. Because it's only when we pay attention to something that our brain actively encodes it into memory. How embarrassing is it for you or me as a parent? And yes, I'm admitting I have done this. When my child bared their soul to me, I wasn't paying attention enough. And then we had a conversation about it later. And she says to me, Dad, you remember we talked about this. And I'm like, okay, little white lie from a pastor. Mm-hmm. <laughs> of course I remember, baby. It's paying attention. I, okay, y'all are judging me. I can tell, so, you know, I'm sure y'all are all perfect. This is what I'm saying. I'm not saying that you've got to bear down like it's the SATs to get into college every time somebody speaks to you. But for most of us, man, we do not give the bandwidth to the stuff that's important. Let's go to this next slide very quickly. What we choose to focus on and what we choose to ignore plays in the defining quality of our life. That's from Cal Newport, a great quote. Let's move on quickly. And let's go to this big idea. And here is the big idea that we find peace when Jesus is Lord of both our moments and our minds. We find peace whenever Jesus is Lord of both our moments and our minds. You go through life mindful of his presence, and you go through life making the most of the moments that you've been given. Would you guys say this out loud with me, please? We find peace when Jesus is Lord of both our moments and our minds. Let's go to this next slide. This is the one to remember from Romans chapter 12, verse 2. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. And you might be saying, well, Randy, hey... I'm not any different than anybody else. That's how I think everybody is feeling, and that's the things that they're dealing with. So 
I'm not any better or worse, man. I'm not saying better or worse. I'm not here to judge you. I'm not here to say you're a bad person or anything like that. But if you want better for your life, you're going to have to make a change in an area that's probably pretty clearly one that you don't want to make a change. You just know that you ought to make a change. And so we do not conform to the pattern of this world. I don't want my parenting to be just good enough that I'm average with this world. I don't want to be an average husband. I don't want to be an average person or Christian. I want to be better than all of those kind of metrics that judge us. And how am I going to do that? I get transformed by the renewing of my mind, your mind. You renew your mind and you become a person who reflects more the mind of Christ rather than simply the mind that I have for myself. Then I'm going to be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. In other words, God's got a plan and direction in my life. And the more that I can shut out the other stuff, the more that I focus in on the voice of the one who guides me into his good, perfect, and pleasing will. This is what God wants to do in our lives, but we have to make room for him. You know, we're not that far away from Christmas But you guys already know that we talk all the time about the innkeeper who said, I'm sorry, I'd love to help you out, but there's just no room in the inn. And that's the big tragedy in the Christmas story, but it's the same tragedy that's being repeated in modern world. There's no room in the headspace for the God who made us in the first place. Wow, I just rhymed. Are y'all impressed with that? Did y'all hear that? There's no room in the headspace for God who made us in the first place. Totally accidental, but I'm kind of (laughs) proud. Thank you. That one person who liked it, me and you. It's just me and you, girl. That's it. All right, let's keep moving. Something to learn when Jesus got into the boat with the disciples that Eric just read just a moment ago from Matthew chapter 8. When Jesus got into that boat... They went out onto the Sea of Galilee. You can go back and look and say they were in Capernaum and then they got out at this point. It's on two different sides of the Sea of Galilee. This is a pretty famous body of water in biblical times. In that time, it was very well known and it was still true this day that there are tons and tons of winds that come along and churn up this body of water. It's kind of in a narrow valley and it's kind of not that deep. And so this huge wind that kind of funnels through the mountains and then hits this ravine stirs up the Sea of Galilee and it is a dangerous place to be if you're out there in a small boat like they probably were. So this is all happening. It's known to experience these sudden storms. Jesus enters the boat right after he had been healing people of many different diseases and illnesses. As a matter of fact, if you go back and read Matthew chapter 8 up until the point where Eric began to read, and then if you go back and read into Matthew chapter 9, you will see it's basically bracketing this story that he read about Jesus calming the waves in the midst of a storm with the fact that he was healing different people in in different places. Jesus was going out and supernaturally healing people of their illnesses and diseases. Let's go to this next slide. So Matthew chapter 8, verse 2 and 3 begins, a man with leprosy came and knelt before him, that's Jesus, and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And so Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. I am willing, he said, be clean. And immediately he was cleansed of his leprosy. Now, I want to point a couple of things out to you as we talk about Jesus and what's going on as he settles down the storm and we, how we can look to him to settle down the figurative storms that we have raging in our minds. Let's go to this next slide. Two lessons to remember. That's what it's supposed to say. As I said, it's a little <laughs> messed up. Christ is concerned with your total healing, not just with what you feel right now. I'm going to say this again. Christ is concerned with your total healing, not just what you feel right now. Now, in our modern world, here's what's happened. We have removed ourselves from leprosy and many other diseases that were common. You know, if you know anything about leprosy, it is a skin disease that literally could mean that the... the, the, 
I think it's called neck, well, the deadness of the tissue. Let's say it that way so I don't screw it up. But the deadness of the tissue can be so complete and total from this disease that literally pieces of a finger and a hand and eventually facial features, ears, nose, things like that can just simply fall off because they're no longer live tissue. They've become dead. I know I've got some nurses, so I wasn't dare going to try this. But here's what we know. This is something that happened back then. We've kind of eradicated that disease. But one of the things that's so amazing about that disease was how incredibly contagious it was. It was so contagious that literally if you were a leper or a person who had leprosy, you could not live with your family, with your friends. You had to be an outcast from the group of people in the village that they lived in. And if anybody approached you and got close to you, you literally had to stand back, put your hands out, and yell at the top of your lungs, I am unclean, unclean, stay back, I am unclean. Do you guys understand how incredibly hard and difficult leprosy was to deal with. It's not just a physical, it's also something that changes your mind. And here's what is really crazy. It's so important and you probably missed it. I want us to actually backtrack and see in that passage of scripture in Matthew chapter eight, verse two. If we can backtrack one slide, you go back and you see what it said that Jesus did. The man with leprosy came and knelt before Jesus. Well, first of all, Jesus didn't say, get away from me, man, you are unclean. But he said to him, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. And then I want you to notice that next part of the words that Jesus did. Jesus reached out his hand and touched the man. Now, I don't know if you've ever been a person who has not been able to touch someone. We knew about this, and we even had this skin hunger. It's literally what they've been talking about in the pandemic where we don't shake hands anymore, and so we miss it. We don't hug people anymore, so we miss it. We have this need, and you literally saw it as we began to come back to church. People would come in, and they'd be like, what are we doing? Are we doing the elbow? What are we doing here? But we wanted to greet one another. We wanted to touch. There is healing and touch. That's why they literally have people who go into the NICU units and hold these babies so they don't have to be alone and start their whole entire life devoid of human touch. There's healing in human touch. And here is what is so powerful. As Jesus looks at this man who's probably got leprosy from the top of his head to the bottom of his feet, and who knows how long it's been since he's been close to someone, much less been touched by someone. He says, if you would be willing, I could be clean. And Jesus doesn't just look at him and go, you know what? Be clean, but don't touch me with that. He addresses the very heart of the man's need. He reaches down and he touches him and he says, I am willing and I'm not afraid of you or what you've got going here. So this is so incredibly powerful as you look at this story to go a little deeper in the surface and he reaches out and he says, I'm willing, be clean. So when he does that, he doesn't just heal him in his physical body, he begins a process of healing in his heart and in his headspace. Do you guys understand? He starts to be welcomed back. Here is what is so important, that slide that we just had a minute ago, the thing that we wanted to see. Christ is concerned with your total healing, not just what you feel right now. And here's what I know. For many of us, we think we got it figured out. You know, if I could just do this, then everything would be fine. If I could just have this, or if this was happening, or if I could just talk my kids, or if I could just talk my spouse, or if I could just talk my boss into doing these things, then everything would be just great. But ultimately, it's not that way. The truth is, is that God is concerned with your total healing. That's what Jesus is here to do, bring healing from the bottom of your feet to the tops of your head. I mean, he wants everything to be healed in your life, including but not limited to 
your headspace. You know, the things that you've been dealing with. I don't know how this pandemic has affected you. For some of you, it's been like, whatever. No big deal. With some of you, it has been like, I can't believe it's almost a chore to just keep walking forward and make it another day. And wherever you are, I'm here to tell you that God wants you to be healed of that kind of sickness within the mind that can pull you down into a place where it doesn't just affect your mind, it affects everything else about your life. Let's go to this next slide. I already spoke about this, but it's very, very interesting because what he tells us in this passage of Scripture, in this greatest commandment is, is that he does want that total healing And those Pharisees who said that they wanted to know what the most important commandment is, do you know what their problem was? Their problem wasn't that they didn't know the commandments, is that they knew them, and because of them, they were proud, and I'm better than you, I'm better than you, I'm better than you. Why? Because I know the Bible, and you don't. Do you see what I'm saying? This is what the Pharisees thought. And so they come to him, and he's like, well, we've got this... (laughs) Master, we've got this debate going on amongst the, the, the guys. Let's talk about what the most important commandment is. And Jesus says, it's to love the Lord your God with everything you've got, including your mind, by the way. But then he does not stop there. Why does he not stop there? The reason he does not stop there is because they don't need to know what the greatest commandment is. They need to go to the second greatest commandment. They didn't ask about that one, but Jesus wasn't letting them off the hook He was telling them something they didn't ask for, but they needed to hear. He was telling them something they didn't ask for, but they needed to hear. Can I tell you something? As your pastor, there will be times where I will be your mentor, and there will be times when I will be your tour mentor. I am going to say things that make you mad at me. It's just the way that it is. Not because I want to make you mad at me, but because sometimes healing lies on the backside of something that you didn't want to hear, but you needed to hear. Do you guys understand what I'm saying? This is where we are with Jesus. He says, you didn't ask, but I'm about to tell you, you need to love the Lord your God in all of these ways, but don't forget, you cannot forget. The second one is just important, just as important. You have to love your neighbor as yourself. And for many Christians in 2021, here here I go with that tormentor thing. For many Christians in 2021, we're good with one. Don't do the other one very well. All right, let's move forward. Uh, Yeah, there it is, that that second one. Let's keep going. How many of you guys know who this guy is? (laughs) Who is this? Michael Phelps, greatest swimmer of all time. How many of you know about his training regimen? Do you all ever remember hearing about his training regimen? It's insane. It's insane. Here's what we do, and I'm going to talk about Michael Phelps. We think to ourselves, we're doing these things well, and so I can't figure out why things are not going well. But ultimately, it all matters. Every piece, every part, it's your physical, it's your spiritual, it's your mental, it's your financial, it's your relational, it's all of these things that are interconnected, and all of them affect the other, and it all affects your headspace. If you don't know about Michael Phelps, when this dude was training for the Olympics, he used to swim so much that he literally consumed between eight and 10,000 calories per day to train. Now, if you don't know, if you are a big person, you're supposed to eat 2,500 calories a day. He was getting about three to four times the amount of calories that he ought to be eating but he still looked like that, right? So what's going on? Here's the truth. For most of us, we're like, man, I've been watching what I eat from Monday through Friday and I can't lose a bit of weight. It's because you eat like Michael Phelps on the weekends. That's what it is, right? We don't wanna talk about that. We don't wanna talk about, well, well I wanna talk about what's going on through Monday through Friday. And then we eat like Michael Phelps on the weekends. And then we're like, I don't know why I can't lose any weight. We do this in every area of our lives. I bring it up because we do this in every area of our lives. I mean, we are really, really frugal, and then we blow it. We're really, really good to our family, and then we blow it. It goes on and on and on and on, and I'm not going to lose too much time here, but that's what I'm saying. The truth of the matter is, is that we don't always want to hear 
But God will always tell us what actually can bring us healing if we will listen and do. And so when Jesus says to those Pharisees, the second one is like it. You didn't ask, but I'm going to tell you. The second one is like it. Don't forget, you have to love your neighbor as yourself, not just simply love the Lord your God. All right. So very quickly, let's go to this. Don't miss this. And we're, we're coming up close to the end here, so y'all hang with me. Everything in our world is telling us to focus inward, to find healing and joy. But as Christians, our mantra should be, when in doubt, we focus out. In other words, when Jesus says, I came to serve, not to be served, if we are Christians and patterning our lives after Christ, then what we need to do is not to ask to be served, but to serve. When in doubt, we focus out. When in doubt about how to find joy, meaning, purpose, healing, a better headspace, instead of focusing in, and I need, to, I need to think a little more deeply about this, and I need to, you'd be shocked at how much thinking about stuff just leaves you exactly where you are, and doing stuff that is different actually changes how you feel. You'd be shocked. And for many of us, we think, well, I just need to get really introspective and I need to really watch out for me because nobody else is going to take care of me. I get it, but to a certain degree alone. And then it just becomes something where we're not built and designed that way. We're built and designed to be like Christ and to be like God. And when we are in doubt of how to change things, focus out and do things for those around us, not for those <laughs> that are us, so to speak. All right, let's keep going to this next slide here. This second lesson that we often limit the power of God in our own minds and lives despite what we've seen. Here's what I mean. Here's what I mean. In your life, in my life, what does that look like? We could tell you that God showed up in a really, really dark hour. We could give you the details and we could tell you one another and say, you know, I know that God is real because this happened. And we can call it out and we can say it and we can describe it and we can tell someone about that. But then when we find ourselves in a fog in our headspace, instead of saying, I'm going to go to God, what do we do? We're like, well, let's, I guess I got to figure this out. I guess I've got to do something different. What am I going to do? How am I going to change? Or maybe I just need to change everything about my life. Check these out. Check in a new group, whatever it might be. And as we make all of these changes, the only thing that doesn't change is us. And then we move from one negative situation. And then when the new has worn off, we turn around and go, I'm back in the same situation. What happened? I thought I changed everything. You did, but you didn't change you. The truth is, is that in our headspace, sometimes the worst enemy we have is ourselves. And as we go to this next slide, we see something that's so important. The disciples went and woke Jesus up and said, Lord, save us. This crazy storm came out of nowhere. Here we are in this boat. You're sleeping. We're freaking out. Please help us and save us because we cannot save ourselves. By the way, what an awesome prayer. God, show up because I am out of answers. And you'd be amazed how many times God shows up in the middle of that. We're going to drown. And he says, you of little faith, why are you so afraid? Do you know, can I just speak for Jesus? Guys, before we got into this boat, what were we doing? <laughs> we were casting out demons. We were healing people of leprosy. We were healing people who'd been sick. And we're going to go and do some more of it. And now, right now, you're thinking, what are we going to do? We're in the middle of a storm. Well, the same God with the same power who showed up and touched the man and healed him of leprosy, and he immediately became whole in his body. He's not freaking out about the storm, but they are, and I got to ask why. <laughs> I mean, let's be honest. This is us to a T, we knew God worked back then. We knew he showed up. But now we're in this storm. I'm talking about this storm. This storm. Now what are we going to do? It's like, well, if God showed up at all these other storms, it's not like he's like, well, that's the storm that I just can't handle. <laughs> no, that's not who Jesus is. 
It's like, if I brought you through all of these things, I can bring you through this too. And by the way, I got more plans past this, and you're involved. And for many of us, our headspace is so clouded in the midst of a storm like a pandemic or like losing a job or a difficulty that we might face or just simply some of those things that we've already talked about. We cannot hear the one voice that actually says to the waves, peace, be still. And for you and for me, if we can't hear that voice, we may as well not even hear all the other stuff. It's just more noise that we can't decipher. Go on to this next slide. It says, he got up, he rebuked the wind and the waves, and it was completely calm. The men were amazed and said, what kind of man is this? Spoiler alert, he's not a man. (laughs) He's God. He showed up and everything changed because he's God, not who you and I think him to be when we think him to be less. Even the winds and the waves obey him. In other words, there is no such thing as a storm too big for the God who loves you and who wants total healing for you, mind, soul, body, everything. All right. So let me very quickly share with you how you can apply this message, and then we're going to watch a video as we kind of close. You apply this message. How can you intentionally invite God into your daily life and your family life? First of all, You make room for him. That's the silver medal. (laughs) But if you actively pursue him, that's the gold medal. Where you say, you know what? I I I want God in my life more than he is. Well, what are you doing to make room? Because most of us don't exactly have room in the life for the God that we want in it. So we're going to have to muscle some things away, change some things in our life in the way that we are Make some room in our own headspace for the God who loves us and wants to put us on the right path. All of that stuff is that we make room for him. But then there is a higher level yet, and that is pursuing the God who loves you and the one who can actually change you even before the storms can come. And so I encourage you, don't forget to make room, but also pursue. Let's go to this next slide. How can you intentionally invite God into your daily life? I wrote down some things. I wrote them down, not because these are the answers, but because these are maybe some ideas that might start you down a path. Maybe you need to start having family dinners and and there's room for your children to connect with you and you to God because it all connects. You're like, well, I can't do that. We've got something going on this night and this night and this night. Cool. Start with three a week. Just see where it goes. You could do a no TV Tuesday. I know that's sacrilege. And maybe your favorite TV show comes on on Tuesday. Well, they've got this thing called On Demand. I don't know if y'all have heard of it or not. But you know what? Your, Your name for whatever you're doing doesn't have to sound as cool as No TV Tuesday. It can be No TV Wednesday. It doesn't sound as cool, but it still accomplishes things. You see what I'm saying? Maybe... You could put your phone in airplane mode more often. Super easy. Super easy. I mean, it's just like swipe down, click that button, done. It's that quick. And then it gives you a chance to focus on the important, including God. There's a one-minute pause app out there by John Eldridge, and it literally interrupts your day so that you take a moment and focus for just one single minute out of your day on the God who made you. And it's this beautiful thing that helps you to find peace in the midst of storms. You could go and put yourself on a social media timer. Talk about keeping some of the negative out of your life. Don't let yourself be on social media for longer than X number of minutes a day. Or go on a fast from it and say, I'm gonna do three days where I don't look at social media at all. I don't post anything, I don't comment on anything. I'm just out for three days. Or You could delete the app off your phone so the only time that you're there is when you're actually at the desktop computer and it doesn't constantly bother you. I mean, I could go on and on and on about how we actually make room for the important and how our attention becomes intentional. I mean, we could talk about it all day long and we could talk about it and talk about it and talk about it and never actually do it. But I would tell you, that if you are a person like me 
who struggles to find headspace for some of the most important things in your life, you got to just make the step and actually do the things. Because I'm supposed to be renewed with the mind of Christ, not just simply what I want and how I want. It's so important that we see that God is able. He's so able, but we have to give him room to work. Check out this video as we wrap it up, and then we'll share just one quick thing and we'll be done. Life can bring us storms. Those moments where we wander, wonder, doubt. The journey doesn't stop, but the progress does. It can be lonely, painful. Sometimes we try to stare it down as if we could somehow will it to go away or we think we can go toe-to-toe and come out the other side, unscathed. We often forget just how small we are. The truth is, storms are inevitable. But when they appear, we have a protector, a savior who knows a thing or two about calming storms. A God who is a stronghold in times of trouble. In our weakness, He is strong. In our fear, He is courage. In our desperation, He is peace. Yes, storms are inevitable. But our God is invincible. I love that. Storms are inevitable, but our God is invincible. I end today with the big question, and then we're going to sing a song. This is the big question. How often do the things of and the thoughts of God invade your life? And how often are you intentionally inviting those same things into your life? If you're not intentionally inviting them, I would guess that every now and again, God invades. But the life-changing power of God that changes not just in your biggest circumstances, but in your daily life is something that you intentionally invite. And when you do, the power of God begins to flow in a brand new way. And you experiencing healing, peace, purpose, and all of these things that make such a dramatic impact on your headspace. Heavenly Father, I thank you for the fact that you have been very, very clear that we can be renewed by the changing of the mind and the mentality that we have. And I pray that we would reach out to you in the midst of these storms. We know you're good, God. You want to see us prosper and do well. And Lord, we can't do those things without you. Lord, so we ask that you would give us that North Star and give us the help that we need. Pull us towards those things that you have for us to experience, that joy and that victory. And in everything that we face, I pray that we would not only make room for you, but that we would intentionally pursue you so that you might have a hand in our lives. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.